What's up guys, it's Alex at generalgeibel.com. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Hard Dance Producer Network. Our guest today comes all the way from Newcastle, UK. It's DJ Smurf. He's been around for so long. Last year he celebrated 25 years of his career as DJ Smurf. And he got a lot of interesting stories to tell. And it was overall a very nice experience talking to him. So before we get started... I would like to say thank you for the support we received so far. No matter where you listen, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you do, please uh, leave a like, subscribe, rate it. Every kind of thing has something you can do to support that channel. And even if you listen on YouTube, but you got a Spotify account, just follow the podcast on Spotify. That will help us to get a little bit more reach and that will also help us to get other guests and continue doing what we do. So thank you in advance. Without further ado, Let's roll the fucking music and let's have a nice talk with DJ Smurf. Enjoy. You're listening to the Hard Dance Producer Network, the number one producer podcast for the harder styles. Hosted by General Geibel. Let's uh, get started. I'm already recording. <laughs> like. Oh. Last week we done a session with uh, Francois Mutante, you know, and oh, cool. luckily I was recording because like we went on and on. I was like, thank <clears> God <throat> I recorded. So like we were on like for almost four hours, like just you know, yeah, chatting, like uh, been drinking beer all the time. At some point I was like really <laughs> shit faced already. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really good. Yeah, I've been on some like Zoom parties with other people and just sit there drunk till eight o'clock in the morning, just drinking and drinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's also, you know, this whole lockdown shit is also really not good for my health, you know, because like you don't have shit to do. So I'm finding myself like drinking more and more often. Not like that I'm getting wasted and shit, but you know, yeah. it's like in the evenings, like, yeah, let's have a beer. Yeah, yeah, why not? Let's have a beer. And then it's like, all of a sudden, you find yourself that you've been drinking already, like, five days in a row. You've been drinking, like, a couple of beers and shit. So <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, I'm gaining weight. Like, the gyms are closed. Everything is closed. And I'm just <laughs> sitting here and drinking all day long. So it's <laughs> not good. Yeah. I think everybody's like that, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Like, most people I talk to, like, everybody is, like, you know, on the edge to become an alcoholic. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, let's um, get started. <clears throat> cool. I've got my notes up. I've got Ableton up if I need to reference that. Oh, cool. Cool, cool. So, first <clears throat> of all, why DJ Smurf? Well, what's the story behind the name DJ Smurf? Well, first of all, I think it's the worst DJ name in the world. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounded a good idea at the time. Um, how it happened in the in the late 80s, I used to go to something called a car boot sale with my parents on a Sunday morning, which is basically, it's like you take your car to a, the big field and you open your boot, you open your boot and you can sell anything you want. Okay. I mean, it's like, there's people there like selling screws and like, Bits of bits of drain pipe and I don't know, used toilet walls, just stupid things like that. People buy it, you know. <laughs> so then we're going there, like picking up like ornaments and things for the house. And I was like buying second-hand records. And I remember one time where we came out the big. I was in a rugby club in a big rugby field. We sort of came out the car park. 
and were stuck in traffic for ages. And the Smurf tune came on the radio. This was around about 1989, I think, possibly. And I, was thinking, I thought, oh, if I was a DJ and I played that silly Smurf tune as the first record, people's going to start laughing and think, oh, what's, what's this? I didn't expect to hear this in a, in a house yeah. music type set. So I thought, oh, yeah, I'll just call myself DJ Smurf. And then I didn't really start DJing until the 1991, so that name just sort of stuck and I just oh, kept so it. So you, you, you had already the DJ name before you even started DJing? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, unusual. Like most but, people but at, the time like... I to be, at the time, I wanted to be a hip-hop DJ. Yeah. Because I was into hip-hop, which that's what changed when I discovered acid house and things like that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's, um, it's been fun over the years. Like I say, I think it's a stupid name. And um, but over the years, it's fun when you go to parties and like people bring little Smurf toys and like Smurf yeah. sweets and things. It's just quite good and quite fun. But I still think it's a stupid name. Yeah, but it it, it kind of works with what you're doing. <clears throat> um, you make also like all this funny shit and everything. So it's kind of you know, <clears throat> somebody's called DJ Smurf, and you would be like, you know, this. <laughs> Would be stupid, you know? yeah, <laughs> but that way, like you know, you make like your funny tracks and everything, and yeah, it's, it has uh, to be the cartoon music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a good vibe. So, I remember then around about 2002 or something, I met met this this Holland big promoter in Holland. I'll not mention his name. And he goes, "Oh, you'll never get a gig in Holland because you've got a stupid name." <laughs> and then two years later, I was playing a Thunderdome, then Masters of Hardcore and everything. So, yeah, just goes yeah. to show that the music speaks better than the silly name. Yeah, <laughs> it was a big <laughs> fuck you to him. <laughs> oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you then you said you started um, DJing in '91 around that. When did you start producing? Um, I started producing around 1996, I think, or 1995. I might have been. Yeah, it was around about 1995 when I got the first Amiga in Optimate okay. Sound Studio. Yeah. The horrible tracker software. Man, just imagine doing that now. It'll send you in a trance or something. All the, all the lines going up and down. It was horrible. Yes. And um, <clears throat> how, how did that come about? Like that you decided you want to make your own music? Was it like the um, good thing to do after you started DJing? Or you had it in you that you said like no no i want to be a producer i want to make my own music so what what was like the driving force for you to say like, okay i'm djing for three four years now i want to also make my own music well the driving force behind it was actually i wanted to see pictures of hot women <laughs> <laughs> so um, i was at my i was at my day job around 1995 like i said and all these young guys came in and it's just room called the paint shop But it was like young guys like doing like apprenticeship type things for cheap money. Yeah. And some guy came in with a floppy disk thing at the time with all these pictures of hot chicks on. It was like Pamela Anderson, Erica Elinak, Danny Minogue, um, Heidi Klum and all them people. Yeah. About, about 80 of these pictures. And it goes, oh, man, what's the, what's the cheapest way for me to look at these pictures on a computer? Because I, I couldn't, couldn't afford a PC at the time. I didn't yeah. know what a PC was at that time, to be honest. And he goes, oh, get, get yourself an Amiga, and I'll put them on a disc for you. So I went to this um, the second-hand sort of um, computer game shop. I got about Amiga 500 for about 80 pounds. So I got that to him. I got all the, all the pictures of the hot chicks on the floppy disk, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then I discovered that um, like Sineafite and Nassimbluten were making music on Amigas. Yeah. I was like, how the fuck do they make music on Amigas? I was expecting you needed 
you needed a big sound studio with loads right. of cables and all these things. And so I thought, eh, you can really make music on Amiga. So then um, this magazine came out called, I think it was called Amiga World or something like that, or Amiga User. Mm -hmm. And I had a free copy of Optimized Sound Studio on it. So I got that, hooked it in, like, whoa, what the hell is this? How do you do this? How do you do it? So anyway, it was was around about the time when the internet started started coming around. And we got the internet at work. And I was searching the internet all the time for different samples and things. Mm -hmm. uh, I managed to find out um, about 80 like Gabba hardcore kick drums from some web website and loads of samples of movie samples like Beavis and Butthead and stuff like that. Yeah. So I was downloading them from work and put them onto these little square floppy disks. And then um, I, I just remembered I was doing that one day and the guy from IT services came in. He says, oh, Glenn, I, I, um, you're downloading, downloading some Amiga stuff. You're checking up all the bandwidth. <laughs> <laughs> so I fucked the whole company's um, internet thing by downloading all these samples. So anyway, I got them home and just just started messing around with the, I think the first thing you do when you make a music, you put a, put the tempo to 280 BPM, just put kick drums in. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, like sounds. And, um, so it's just like making tunes and I got it in my head, like this is this couple of like old school tunes that I wanted to sample and make into a record. Um, and that turned out to be a track called Cockrot, which came out in 1997. I took samples from an old school record called Stratosphere by Trigger, which is like <laughs> like a build drilling noise, and I put that on my first track. So the um, the the first stuff on the Amiga, it was already capable of playing back samples. Yeah, it was was, was quite okay because yeah. I, I know like for for like back then like a lot of guys used their Amigas and shit just you know to send out MIDI notes or sequence the tracks, but you still needed a lot of like. Yeah. Hardware where the sounds are coming coming from, so your software already could play back samples. Yeah, it was alright. Oh. Yeah, and um, to sample stuff as well, you got this little this little box that went into the back of the Amiga, and the two phone leads went at the back of a TV or a video. So mm -hmm. that's where we, that's where we recorded all the samples from, like TV and movies. I see. But because it was only eight bit, you had like like the hissy yeah, sort of sound yeah, in the background. Yeah. And then when you made the tracks, it, I think you only had about eight channels. And I'd like you put the kick drum in the left channel, and because it was quiet, you put the kick drum in the in the fourth channel as well to make it a bit louder. Yeah. And then maybe you had like one channel with the like percussion in, and then the second, third channel with the noise or something like that. So it was only yeah. four or five channels back then. Yeah. You had no EQs, you had no VSTs, so right. You just had to go with what you heard, really. And if it worked, it worked. Did you did you had also some hardware which you used? Nothing at all back then. No. No. Did it came later? Some 909 shit or some synths or stuff? No, I've never had any hard any hardware at all. Apart from the Ableton push and the MIDI keyboard. Yeah. So I've got, nice. yeah, just, just everything has been sample based that I've worked on really. And I'm not, nowadays you're working in Ableton. So how how long you've been working with Ableton? Um I think I got Ableton around 2001, I think. Um, like I said, I was working on Optimate Sound Studio, and I got a PC around nineteen ninety nine, I think nineteen eighty eight, mm. and I got Optimate for the PC. <laughs> so I was using Optimate Sound Studio on the PC, and I made a couple of tracks on there. Um, and then I think I just got had a mess around with Fruity Loops for a while. And Reason, Reason was just oh, yeah. so complicated. I was like, oh fuck this. But it sounded so good back then. 
like no matter what you've done like you know we've been playing with fruity loops everything sounded pretty crappy and then you open reason and they got already like the master chain loaded back then like in reason too like they've been already compressed okay. on the queue there so no matter what you do it sounded like dude play it on the radio that's done you know <laughs> like you play it out it's like it's it's it's, it's release ready play it on the radio <laughs> <laughs> I never noticed that. No, I just got confused by it. You had to, you had to plug all the wires into different yeah. things, like virtual, like virtual cabinet thing, or whatever you call it. So, yeah. so I sort but of gave it. Was, it was a short, short attempt with reason, and then you yeah, went was, straight yeah. to Ableton. Yeah, one of my friends was actually quite good with its name. I made a track called Fat Girl, which came out on Footworks, and um, I actually done that on Reason as well before mm. before I completed it, and I sort of transferred everything to Ableton, finished it off over there. And um, one of my friends helped us out with that, and it sounded pretty good. Yeah. But it was just so confusing with all the wires and things. So, yeah. And I discovered Ableton around 2001, got me cracked, cop me cracked copy as you do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I probably made about one or two tracks, but around about then, about 2002 or something, DJ career took really off. So I was mm -hmm. like DJing most weekends and didn't have any time to do any work in Ableton. And it wasn't until around 2011. Francois Mutanti came over to play the party in Newcastle and he said, let's make a track together. And he showed me EQ. I didn't know what EQ was, to be honest. So he showed me EQs. He showed me all the different EQs for snares and cutting things off. I was like, whoa, what, what? <laughs> I never knew this at all. So you you kind of went on producing like for more than 10 years without like really yep. using EQs and shit. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't know what, well, I didn't know what a compressor was then. My chanty showing all these things, like he's giving me a frequency chart. Like, what the fuck's a frequency chart? I don't know what that was. <laughs> and uh, so I credit my chanty, he's spawned what I am today. So mm. big love, and so a nice guy. About uh, the track we made together was I want to fuck with AJ. Yeah. So we made that together, and uh, that was good fun. So that was a steep learning curve, but it was worth it. Yeah, yeah. I still don't understand compression fully, but I'm getting there. <laughs> yeah, compression is um. It's like an endless topic, you know, it takes like, I don't know, that's, that's a weird thing. Like, you know, it's easy to describe what a compressor <clears throat> does and everything. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the information is out there and there are good explanations, but there is like this moment, there's one moment where you, okay, now I understand compressors. Yeah, Usually yeah. that moment, it takes years and years. Like I got <laughs> friends doing this like for year for like 20 plus years and they also like yeah somewhere after 15 years i was like yeah now now i know what a compressor is doing <laughs> <laughs> yes man the concept's pretty pretty easy to describe and think of but like actually doing it and getting things right is yeah 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 and uh, especially like you know getting the settings right and everything really and yeah yeah and then there are also so many different types of compressors. Like oh, they, yeah, they react differently, then they sound differently. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a long topic. Like understanding compression. Yeah. Um, like I said, just by knowing what a compressor does, it really doesn't mean you understand it. It, it takes yeah, yeah, a while. That's, that's definitely right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> How long did it take you when you started producing, like around 95, until you had like your first um, official release? And the first official release came out in 1998 mm -hmm. on DJ Freak's Heart of Fear and label. Yeah. That was the track I mentioned earlier in a track called Knob Rush. Yeah. Um, 
So that came out in 1998. So then 1999 had a big release on Strike Records. Was um, GGM versus Buddy Fist or Newcastle versus Newcastle Australia, and had a big track on there called Fuck Me Geordie, which done pretty well. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I didn't uh, had some more releases around 1999 on Killer Records, and then I don't think I had another release until around. 2004 when I started the vinyl record label up and 2004 was all the stuff that I'd made on the Amigas which I had WAVs for on yeah. MP3 like some of them were just MP3s and I, I didn't have anything else you know so I just released them anyway and they sound, sounded pretty shit but <laughs> as they do and I've, um, I've redone them now and I sort of redone them redanged them redanged them yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah it was quite of a long Along the break before I actually started producing the game and getting stuff out there, because back in them days you were a DJ and you didn't have to be a producer. Because mm. I started off as a DJ in like 1991 and that's all I knew, you know. And you didn't really have, like I say, you didn't have to really make make tracks back then because you were known for DJing, not producing. Yeah, yeah. And nowadays you need to be a producer before a DJ. Yeah, yeah, that that certainly changed. I mean, there've been like a lot of guys in the nineties who like never really released a track, but like really big DJs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't happen today. If you don't have tracks, you're the resident DJ at the bar next to your <laughs> house. But uh, most guess, yeah. most definitely, like you're not gonna travel more than two hundred kilometers to DJ if you don't have any <laughs> tracks. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I just stick to your bedroom doing your live streams or. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's basically what a lot of um, DJs who don't produce actually doing. You know, they're on Twitch. Maybe they got like a resident DJ job somewhere in a local club. Yeah, man. And that's basically it, unfortunately. I mean, ch times change, definitely. Well, to be honest, I would rather listen to a DJ who's not a producer because they play better sets. They play that's more true. of every set. If you're a producer, you tend to play your own tracks all the time more than any other tracks, which is it's good, but... I don't know. I like to hear different styles, like different, different yeah. things when I'm out, you know, and partying. And, but. No, that's that's actually something I also noticed quite often. Um, quite often I noticed that, like, you know, the local DJs, usually the openers, are more often the better DJs than a lot of the headliners, you know? Yeah, I've, not, I've noticed that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, because like you said, I, I'm also, like, super against it. I mean... <clears throat> You know, if you just play your own track, okay, it's kind of a live set or whatever. But like for me, DJing was always more like you got to play the right track at the right time and yeah. don't force your track into it. You know, if like your track is not the right track for that moment or you see like some other track would be better, you play a track from somebody else, you know. Yeah, yeah, I had, yeah. I had those things too, especially like you know, <laughs> towards the end when I didn't release anything as General Geibel anymore. I I played sets for two hours where I didn't play a single track because I just felt like, why should I push it in there if there's something else from somebody else that would fit better, you know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I I feel like that's something that's missing a lot. I mean, I understand if like there's a big festival and some you know. Uh, hard style dude standing there and playing like all his tracks it's fine but if you kind of in a club environment where you just really want to people get going it would be nice if definitely a lot of guys would be more going back to the roots and really play the right track instead of um just 
pushing their tracks. Because what also eventually happens, they play only the they play the same sets. Because they got their own okay. 20 tracks and they maybe switch up the order a little bit, but at the end they play like the same set for one year. It's kind of boring. Yeah, it's just like seeing a live band, really, isn't it? It is, it is. But a live <laughs> band is at least doing shit live, you know. When you're DJing, I mean, to be honest, like, you know, there is there is like from the technical perspective, there's nothing to it. With record box, everything, you don't need to, you know, set up the tempo by ear. You you click on play and it's going right away. So there's not like really much you're doing when you're DJing. So the only thing which really separa separates one from another is like a song selection. And if you yeah. take the song selection out, what's left? Because <laughs> like from the technical perspective, it's not hard to, you know, mix two tracks together nowadays. Yeah, like like I say, anybody can mix really, but there's also an, an art adagium where playing the tracks in the right sort of in the right sort of order. Like you can get you can get about download the top ten tracks on hard tunes and put a set together, and people say, "Oh, you're amazing," because it'll be the top ten popular tunes. But there's also a sort of DJ sort of method of putting tracks together in the right particular order type thing. So to build up, and then you've got maybe yeah. little. Couple of tunes that don't do things, then you bring them back in to get people going again. And yeah. that's gone these days. People just bang, bang, play the big hits all the time. And yeah, that's that's also I'm I'm hundred percent with you on that. I, that's kind of really, in my understanding, the art of DJing is really yeah, to know DJing, yeah. what you play, and also when you take it out. You know, if you play the song mm -hmm. maybe to, towards the end, or if you take it out after like forty five seconds or whatever. So just you know, to know what to play, when to play, and when to take it out. Um, I also sometimes feel it's getting lost. And I, like I said, I understand if it's like a big-ass festival with a lot of people, that really doesn't matter. Yeah, festivals are different. Yeah, yeah, Just that really doesn't matter. But especially <clears throat> in clubs, I've seen like a lot of headliners, like those festival headliners, like really kind of not creating a vibe because... They just play their same festival program in the club, and I always yeah. got a feeling like sometimes it just doesn't really resonate with the crowd. Yeah, you can experiment a bit more in clubs and things like that. And yeah, uh, I like doing me like, like five hour sets I've been doing on uh, the live streams where I can play like totally things I wouldn't normally play, you know, still yeah. hardcore stuff though, but like, I don't know, like more industrial type stuff that you wouldn't generally play in a club because it'll just flatten people. How, how how is the experience for you to play like the live streams um because i know i i definitely understand you're also one of those people who um react to what's going on and play like that so how how is the feeling playing in a live stream where you don't have a crowd you know because personally for me it was always like very important when i dj'd to see what's going on I kind of try to figure out five minutes before I start to play what I start with. And then it really goes <laughs> yeah. with like, okay, what's happened with the first track? What might be the second? And, you know, I go track by track to figure out what's working. And if I don't have a crowd, I w really wouldn't know what I would play, to be honest. So yeah. what's that experience for you? Uh, it's been all right. I mean, you get the chat going. So people's chatting and you can interact with the people and yeah. talk to them and things and get a feeling and all that and how they're doing and um, look, you get people joining the feed on joining the tuning in and talking that we've never talked to in the past, you know, and they're oh, how are you doing? Oh, nice to meet you, and blah blah blah. And it's, yeah. it's been good for the interaction and things like that, but it's strange just like DJ in front of a wall, you know, and still, I'm still yeah. jumping around and doing silly <laughs> dances and things. But nobody's like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's been all right. It's, I think it's kept me sane 
Yeah. Um, I've, got, I've got a day job during the week, you know, and what's I call Clark Kent mode. Right. And then the weekend, I turn into Super Smurf and just <laughs> yes. get rid of some tension, you know, and do a live stream. Yeah. Like I've been, I've been on. Like I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it now at old school set. And seven hours later, I'm still there. <laughs> yeah, nice. Drinking, drinking and drinking and. <laughs> really sore feet and sore legs for two days after that but it's all good fun and like other people are stuck like stuck in they've got nothing to do you know so they just tune mm. in for live feed and they'll maybe tune in for 20 minutes then go and listen to another one watch another one then come back later and things like that and yeah keeps people entertained you know I'm an entertainer at the end of the day <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> Um so I mean you've been now um for like more than 25 years in this whole hardcore music <clears throat> thing. Is there any period of time where you would say that's kind of your personal kind of golden age of hardcore where you thought like that was the most exciting time in terms of what's, what's going on music-wise where the music was like your favorite ones? Um, I think there's been a couple of really, um, like I've been like a music collector and a music fan since the, late 80s or early well early 80s sorry yeah and I was in this band called Adam and the Ants and then I discovered rap music from that which turned into uh, hip-hop and electro mm. which turned into like Belgium new beats and then spawned acid and techno and hip house and then so like I've seen all these all this music progress you know I've been there and witnessed everything so I think around about 1987 1988 when the acid music came out was the first time And then acid music then and techno progressed into like the German and Belgium and Dutch sort of ravey techno the 1990. That was another big step. But I think then around 1992, 1993, when the Gabba music first started to come around from Holland, I think then I just got tingles thinking about it then. Yeah. When, when you hear that big fucking massive kick drum for the first time, like, whoa, yeah. what the fuck <laughs> is this? Yeah. I, rem I remember going into the record store in 1993. I was going down the stairs and I could hear this bang, 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 kick drum. Like, what the fuck is this noise? And uh, the guy, shopper was based anyway, uh, goes, oh, it's World of the LSD User by Roughneck. I was like, fucking hell, that kick drum's insane. So that was when, I've got tingles there again, just thinking about that moment. Yeah. So that's when, I think that was when everything just changed for hardcore when Gabra came about. And then it sort of progressed and obviously it turned into speedcore and... Um, Hardcore techno, and then the sort of French sound started happening around 1997. Mm. And around 2001, the French chords we know it now sort of came around with that radium, radium track. Yeah. Uh, was it Needle Damage or something? With the, the first yeah. of that sort of French chord kicked on, that was another time. Um, 2003, 2004 for mainstream Gabba, like mainstream hardcore. That was a good time as well. But mm. if I could pick one, definitely 1992, 93 when. Oh, it really face. started. Yeah, man. Yeah. That was fantastic. <laughs> what do you what do you think about hardcore today? Like <laughs> uh, pretty shit if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah. Well um, particularly like the this the sound or like the lack of ideas or what particularly is um not what you like about it today? It's the kick. Just the that kick. kick, man. Like I said, like I've been there from the start and I've I've seen like acids turn into techno techno together, gabba speak or what have you. Yeah. And new styles sort of gabba and mainstream stuff. And I thought oh, that's just that horrible kick. Yeah. And um so I've decided so I think everybody knows now I retired from like playing 
and making new music in about 2018. And I was at a, at a party in Germany. And like, I was walking through the main room and just like, wow, it's like all the, all the happy French girl type stuff and up-tempo, which, which is good. It's, I like the happy French girl, to be honest, but yeah. up-tempo shit. Then I was in the terror room. I was like, nobody there at all all night. They just wanted to be in the main room for the, for the cloppy, cloppy kicks and all that. I was yeah. like, man, I don't like this anymore. I'm not enjoying it. Mm. And I had a good time with my colleagues and friends and all that, of course, yeah, but I just didn't like the music. And I thought, fuck it, I'm going to retire. And then I realized that in 2019, would have been 25 years since I'd done my first Gabba set in the club. Yeah. Even though I started DJing in 1991, I'd done my first Gabba set in 1994. Right. So that's like 25 years of Smurf or 25 years of Deng. Right. I thought, oh, yeah, this will be a good year to retire from like playing new music, no, and just like start playing just old school and early hardcore, you know, like music I love and early time. Yeah. So, yeah, but it's like I say, like, I don't know, it's just, and your music is I don't, know, strange. I don't think I've listened to anything new in about a year and a half or something to be honest I mean mm. I get promos and things but I, I don't actively go looking for like new sort of music that's oh, at the door and um, but then the up-tempo thing as well with for the shitty horrible kicks and that shitty kick drum is like it's made its way into terror it's in fucking but it's just a like war style kick really yeah, yeah. just everywhere and it doesn't doesn't inspire me anymore you know Fair play for if people like it, like all the young guys like it, and that's fair enough. They may go out of it. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it's of course. I mean, you know, of course, like the music changed to a point where it's kind of not recognizable to where it kind of came from, you know? Like when yeah. we talk hardcore in the 90s and hardcore now, name is the same, but it's it's a different style. It's, it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Things progress, but not necessarily in the right, in the right way, but... Yeah, I mean, I kind of, you know, I, I'm always like super excited about like cool sounds and everything, but I kind of agree on that one that personally, I think uh, we had also like this long talk with uh, Mutante about it. Um, it just became bass drum music. You know, that's that's where. Yeah, we're yeah, at. exactly. That's yeah, just a kick drum. That's all, and maybe a squeak and a fuck you, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's where I got kind of a little bit of problems if I like go back even like the millennium stuff you know like people really actually made music you know now it's just 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 um kicks and sounds so there's like you know by definition like you know music has like a sort of progression of notes in other words melody you know and that's kind of missing nowadays so yeah, yeah. like by definition if it's just a kick and a couple of sounds by definition it's not music because rhythm you know so you you can't go to the gamer or boomer and like get a copyright for that because you can't copyright uh drum patterns or rhythms you can copyright oh, yeah, melodies yeah. and words <laughs> so if like your track doesn't have a melody by definition <laughs> it's not music sounds pretty shitty but it's kind of yeah, yeah, you're right there. You're right there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I kind of agree on that. It's um, getting got a little bit, um, a little bit different. I mean, no, still sometimes exciting. You got cool sounds, but you know, I wish there was what yeah. a little bit more creativity. I think yeah. as well when you when you leave a party, you're like you, your job as a DJ is to like make records or tunes or noises like stick in people's heads. Right. And I think nowadays when people leave a the party, they just leave for like sort years. They don't think, ooh, what's that? I remember when I first made the um, the trumpet tune, Exposure King. Yeah. Um, I played that for the first time at Thunderdome for the last track at 8 o'clock in the morning. I had other, had other than a dub plate at the time. 
one of them dub plates used to get. So yeah. I played that for the last track, and the whole place went absolutely fucking insane. This was the second area. It's about 8 o'clock in the morning. Then yeah. as we were leaving, I got to hear people whistling the tune. <laughs> I was thinking, wow, job done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's. uh, Also, totally agree on that. I mean, nobody goes home after a party after listening to like you know eight hours of bass drum music and is like, oh yeah, that was this track. It was like bomb, bomb, bomb. You know, (laughs) I gotta gotta go home and check it out. Like you know, there is nothing memorable. You enjoy the moment, but you definitely it doesn't get stuck in your head because it's just a kick drum. You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But people like that, and it sits there. if they like it, they like it. You know, you can't can't complain about them. People's got their own their own judgments, their own tastes, and but of course, of course. I mean, everybody, you know, that's also a good part of being you know, human. Like everybody got his own taste and likes his shit. You know, a lot of the kids now who are like really into like this whole up tempo stuff. A lot of them really hate uh, the old school stuff. You know, they they don't understand it. You know, same thing. Like the old school people don't understand the new school shit. The new yeah, school, that's right, yeah. <laughs> they don't understand the old school. It is what it is. Um, I always hate like when you know, then there are like those people who really think like they are entitled to like say, yeah, this is shit. This is good. Whatever you like it, you like it. I mean, you're you're not the fucking t- taste maker to decide what is shit. You know, it's like if you like <laughs> it, it's cool. But don't tell like everybody else is a jack off because like you know. He doesn't like it, so <laughs> that's a whole oh, different yeah, yeah. topic. Yeah, but there are like those those dicks, you know. It's like everything I like is awesome. People who don't like what I like, they're idiots. It's like stupid. Yes, I think we were all the same when we were young. I remember being on web forums and like, oh, you don't like about you're a fucking asshole. You don't like <laughs> yeah, we happy hardcore pussies and all that, but yeah, yeah. it's just part of growing up, really. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, let's talk about production again. So. What 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 are your like you know your favorite plugins you work with like let's maybe talk about synths first. Okay, since um, I don't really use many to be honest, because as people might know, my music's more like sample based, yeah. so I'm just ripping other things off, you know, and put me on spin on like pop music and stuff things. Yeah. But um, I have used Rave Generator. I use that quite a lot. For the old school sounds, it's that, the that with sound. those um, those old school hit sounds, right? This... Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. I love that plugin. I've used that lots of times on different things. Yeah, and you can you can tweak them as well and manipulate them so they're not the same. Like the T ninety nine big up, um, uh, choir type noises. I use that yeah. quite a lot. And the Hoovers, I love Hoovers. Um, so I've, I've used Rave, Rave generated quite a lot. It's also I've used Raw a few times as well. Just a couple of the presets. Mm-hmm. That I don't understand all the LFOs and things like that. Yeah. So I just use the presets and you can fiddle with the EQ and all that. And, and Massive, is, Massive is the other one that I've only used a few times. Mm-hmm. Apart from that, that's the only sort of soft sense that I've if I use, really, you know. If, if I start like making melodic, melodic, melodic music, it'll be, I'll probably use them more, but because I don't. Yeah. And all the, in the past, when I tried to make a melody, I just... You know, on Ableton, where you can sort of sing into Ableton and record yeah. your voice as a MIDI, I just do that and create me all sort of melody with my voice, then put the put rave generator on or something to like make the melody type thing. Actually, I never tried that. Oh, that's, that's good. That's, that's good, cool. Yeah. So you just sing like do 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 do, and then yeah, you, you make you know, like, uh, audio to MIDI. Yeah, comes yeah, up the MIDI notes. That's cool. <laughs> I should try that. 
yeah. Um, it's like, you know, sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night and you've got a melody in your head, and like, oh, what about that? Then you write it down on the bit of paper, like, do, 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 do. You wake up in the morning, what the fuck, man? But just got it, like, record it to your phone or something. Yeah. Then the next day, put your microphone into Ableton, whatever, then. Yeah, that's, that's, well, that's a cool idea. Actually, yeah, you, you can, like, you know, record it, the, the voice, and then just drag the audio file into Ableton. That's that's good, <laughs> really good. I'm giving you tips, hey? yes, yes, <laughs> yes, really good, really good. I I definitely will do that because um, yeah, I'm always this idiot. Like I got an idea for a melody, you know. I'm also in the middle of the night, and it's like okay, I should pull out my phone and like you know, sing <laughs> yeah. it in. And then no, no, it's so good. I will remember it tomorrow. And this yeah, is going no, on for more than 10 years, and I never remembered it. But every time, it's so good. I, I will remember it. But no, never. I remember something else. A funny story from years ago. Um, I made this track called "Christina Gets Wanked On." It's basically a mashup of Christina Aguilera, "They're Dirty," and Drone DMC "Walk This Way." Yeah. And how that track came about? As I was sleeping, I, I was dreaming about them two tracks playing together. Like, I woke up in the middle of the night, like, fucking hell, what? So at the time, I mean, the old house, like, my decks were next to the bed. And I had both them records, so I put them on, I put the one DMC. Yeah. I put that on one deck. And I had that cappella of Christina Aguilera, dirty as well. And I put them together. I was like, fucking hell, it works. Like, I can't believe, like, I, I dreamt about that. And it actually worked, and then I made the track. That's, that's bizarre, awesome. isn't it? Yeah, that's that's awesome. <laughs> um, if you say you, I mean, like you work mostly with samples. Um, when you work with them, do you drag them in your Ableton just as audio files, or you use samplers and simpler, or what's the workflow with like audio files? <laughs> um, just yeah, simpler, but simpler, yeah. Um, sampler, sorry, I use sampler quite a lot. Just put yeah. everything there. Yeah, sampler is fucking awesome. <laughs> I love that thing. <laughs> I did a course on on um. Some, I found one of these um, sort of website things where I do tutorials and I mm. bought the sampler course. It was only about four, four, eight pounds or something like that. Yeah. And it was really, really good. How you could like manipulate one sound just within sampler was yeah. quite amazing. Yeah, the Ableton sampler is so awesome because it has also this frequency modulation shit which you can do with the envelope and everything. Like You can really change up a sample so it's almost not recognizable, especially yeah, exactly. yeah, really with that update, I think, in 9.5 when they added the new filters. So you got also the filter distortion and everything. It's it's so good. I love it. Yes, it's quite handy too, yeah. Really good. Yeah. Um what 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 else is like, you know, your your favorite shit in terms of um plugins? Like, you know, any reverbs? What 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 do you generally like to use? Um well when I I discovered this thing called Kick Tweak by Single Makers. Don't know if you're aware of that. No. I think it was a quite cheap thing. I think it was only like £20 or something like that. You put it on your kicks and like I think there's about eight presets. And go through the presets and it really changes your kick. With like one click, like, whoa. Okay. Uh, I've got the wet, it's got the wet dry on so you can sort of keep things out of the yard. But the new yeah. processing on, it's really, really good. I, I use that on every kick drum, really. Gonna write it down. Kick tweak. Yeah, kick kick tweak by check single it It's really good, yeah. And if you've got like, I've seen your thing recently about recycling old kick drums. Yeah. So just put a kick drum on your channel and put a kick tweak on, and just fill around. You come up with a totally new kick drum. 
That's good. It's really, really good. Gonna be even faster to recycle old cakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just one or two pre sets and brilliant. Nice. And then, I normally, then after the cake, I normally put um, fab filter satin on there, a little bit of distortion on there. Mm. And then Neutron 3, I use that on almost every channel. Which one? Neutron 3. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I never tried that one. I like so yeah. many people talk about, about that stuff, and it's like you hear a lot of good stuff. Yeah, it's quite good. Yeah, you put it on every channel, and um, you can sort of do your um, two channels, and you can do the sort of frequency clashing. Yeah, it kind of mix, you can, you mixes put... everything by itself, right? Yeah, obviously, it mixes things by itself. Sometimes it comes out good, sometimes it doesn't. It's just people yeah. pay by it, really. Yeah, uh, it's good for getting the basics of like different EQs and sort of exciters and things like that, and mm. you can sort of fiddle with it and all that. But it's also really good for like matching EQs, pretty good on there as well. And you can you can like sort of do the frequency clashes as well with the two EQs. Yeah. So it's quite good for doing that. And you can obviously fiddle with the EQ to get rid of the distortions and things like that and the moodiness, which is quite good. Um. For EQ filters, I use Filter Shaper quite a lot for cable guys. That's mm -hmm. quite good for coming like or you sort of build up some things like that. That's quite good. Yeah. Uh, filter Freak as well, but Filter Freak keeps crashing for me for some reason. I don't know why. Okay. The paid version is a paid version as well, of course. Of course. <laughs> and for making kicks, I use Kick Two by Kick Sonic two. Academy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's quite good as well. It's it's quite limited though, and I think it would be better if you could like. A distortion on each on each layer, yeah, and EQ on each layer, but you can only EQ on the like the sort of final, like master sort of thing. Yeah. But it's quite good for like, like layering kicks and things like that. I mean, I use sampler packs quite a lot as well because I'm too lazy to make kick drums. <laughs> so you hear you hear like the, the punch of a kick, one kick, and oh like that. So you put it in channel one of kick two, yeah. you like tail of another kick, and you put it in channel two of um kick two. So you can sort of oh, so you also make the layering already in kick. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so basically, when your kick is done, it's just one channel with kick two and maybe a couple of plugins. Or do you still yeah, well, go out and do more layering within Ableton? Um, you you can export the kick from kick two, mm -hmm. which is quite good. It's just one click and you export it, and then obviously you fill around with it, even more EQ and um. A little bit distortion and things like that, but that's really yeah. good for making kicks. Making kicks the lazy way, I would say. <laughs> the lazy way, <laughs> yeah. Well, what what goes on in terms of distortion, like when you make kicks? Um, um uh, trash two. Nice trash two for a little bit, yeah. Um, satin, like I mentioned, and also originally I've just rediscovered um, the Able and Saturator is quite good. It's fucking. It's really. I, good. I never really bothered with that, but that's really <laughs> yeah. good. Like doing things. Yeah. And like. It comes back to the compression as well, sort of thing, and like the sort of um, <coughs> able to saturate, and then putting compression after that, blah blah blah. Then re EQing and dealing everything off. I just learned that recently yeah. as well. But you learn something new every day, but uh, the saturator is quite good, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the saturator is really good. It's like one of the most underrated plugins enabled, I guess, because. It's really, really good. You can use it like as an output clipper instead of a limiter and everything. Like even with little saturation, even on the master, that works. Like it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, unbelievably yeah. That's good. Fun. Yeah, it's like really underrated. You know, like everybody um, is like all about like the glue compressor, like 
this one seems to be a little bit overrated compared to the Ableton, the Saturator. It's, it's really good. <laughs> yeah, that's good, yeah. I'm yeah. quite happy I discovered that one. That's a good one. Just a little subtle change as well. Just like changes something quite dramatically sometimes. It's quite good. <clears throat> for me. That's the fish and chips I had for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what is what, what about reverbs? What what do you use for reverbs? Um, the general Geibel channels strips for reverbs mostly. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that little that Ableton pack you're doing was really useful. Yeah, yeah. yeah the reverbs are good on there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually there. You can really see how much you can get out of that Ableton reverb. You know, so. I mean, of course, like this this pack, it took me like more than a year to um, get it done. Also, at this point, like, thank you again back then that you, you know, double checked everything in, um, on Windows so we could you know, <laughs> figure out why it worked on Mac but didn't work on Windows. So, but, um, yeah, it's good to hear. Good to hear that that thing was helpful to you. Oh, yeah. I use your things on most of my channels, really. Yeah. The, so the kick drum selector thing. Yeah, um, I already had my own sort of kick drum selector where you load all your kicks in, but uh, you had like different, like different sort of like effect things which I didn't have. Yeah. So I've sort of loaded all my kicks into your into your kick selector thing. Yeah. Um, and there's some of the filters are quite good as well. I use from your pack as well, quite yeah. good. Um, the riser is quite good as well. I love that. And there's yeah. also a side chain one which is pretty good as well. Yeah, there's like this um, for for effects channels. I got like this yeah, multi yeah. channel thing where you got all the controls. I also got them in my template already loaded up on the effects stuff. Because then you just yeah, drop yeah. something and you can make an instant riser or like right away uh, side chain and everything. Like yeah. those little tools which just make your life easier, you know. Oh yeah, the rise on the side chain, perfect, yeah. really, really useful. So yeah, yeah. Also gotta Take say, that. like, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Um, I also kind of stopped using the volume shaper since I made the sidechain in Ableton, which is basically it's an auto pan, you know, if you open it up, it's an auto pan, which, you know, when you invert it, you can make a sidechain out of it. So, oh, yes, yeah. and yeah, the, since then I kind of stopped because I like, you know, having more of the Ableton stuff because then you don't need to click to open a plugin window. You can have everything there. Oh, yeah, yeah. So just just being lazy. <laughs> yeah, I much prefer to like try and use like Ableton EQs and things like that. It's, yeah. it's much easier and quicker, really. Yeah, that's the, that's the point. It's quicker. <clears throat> like, you know, there's always like one more click to open a plugin window, tweak something, close it, to click more. And... The other thing is like sometimes you come to a point where you might want to reopen something old and if you kind of stick mostly to Ableton shit, you will always be able to reopen it in Ableton. Ah, uh, um, yes, yeah. So if you heavily rely on third-party plugins, at some point you're you're screwed. Remember I used to use um, Alchemy a lot. Then Apple is buying Camel Audio. Oh, yes, yeah. And all of a sudden Alchemy is discontinued and i mean i could still install the old one but at some point like what's the point and now of course like all those sessions which been heavily relying on that synth i can't really open them anymore you know so ah uh, man yeah yeah that's also a good advantage to stick for the most part to what's coming in with your door yeah sometimes when you use like use old versions of plugins and you don't mean to install them and you've got a new pc or something like that the you load up an old set and I can't find such and such plugin. Like, oh, yeah. I've got to reinstall the old version of things. 
Yeah, you know, that's also like a fucking pain in the ass. Like, for instance, you know, some um, companies, when they make an update, they kind of make the update, like, even in the newer version, it still shows up as an old version or it loads up. What I'm trying to say is, when you had the Pro-Q, the Pro-Q1, and then at some point they brought out Pro-Q2, um, but you still had to install Pro-Q1, even though you haven't been using it anymore, but... Because it's like a different plugin. That means if you got Pro Q2, it won't load up old sessions where you had Pro Q1. All that right. way, <laughs> you you gotta go. Now you got Pro Q3, but you still need to install one and two, so you can open old sessions. You know. Ah uh, yeah, so, yeah. And some of them they kind of manage to make updates, you know, or even like upgrades. But some some plugin uh, factories or developers manage at least like to say okay now you got pro q2 but if you open up a session where pro q1 was in it's still gonna load you know without you having to install another additional plugin yeah and uh, those are kind of those little things that kind of piss me off sometimes <laughs> uh, I guess you've got to go through your archives on different hard drives to find out all the all the old vsds and like some stuff you can't download from the from the from the website mm. because the archive and things like that a lot of shit is also just gone it's not there anymore you know like uh camel fat or shit like that you know it's just not there and then you know a lot of plugins been in 32 bit and you know sometimes it's just impossible some plugins go extinct you know all right let's talk a little bit about uh social media because you know it's always always fun to follow you um (laughs) You know, your your definitely your whole social media is very funny and entertaining. So what's up with like this whole WWE thing, Kylie Minogue, and uh, like all the girl <laughs> bands and like the, the the toilet selfies? What's what's up with that? <laughs> it's just stuff that, stuff that I really love. Really, I love Kylie Minogue. I love toilets. I love shits. And <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, I'm just like I'm an entertainer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the you're, whole... you're the first person I ever heard saying like I love toilets. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's I think it comes down to British humor. I think right. the British like they love, they love farts, they love shits, they love boobies. <laughs> so <laughs> just a natural thing, really. Yeah. But um, the sort of poem thing in the late nineties, um, had the Geordie Gavin Mafia website, and like every weekend after a party, I would do this thing called the weekend report. But I would say, like, what happened at the party? Like, most of them were, went to a party, got drunk, can't remember. But then there's like loads of like funny stories from all the, like, from all the weekends reports, yeah. the weekend that next to different things. And quite a lot of things I couldn't really publish on the internet, but funny stories anyway. And parts of the website had a had a totty gallery, like a, like hot birds with like Kelly Minogue gallery and all these, yeah. and had a, had an elbow gallery on the GGM website, pictures of like like famous people's elbows. In the belly button gallery, Why which is a famous people's belly buttons, <laughs> and also had a shit gallery. Uh, so like it's like different pictures, they're like funny shaped shit that looked like objects. So it was like a, somebody had a shit and it looked like Godzilla, or like somebody had a big shit and looked like a big like Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yeah. And people used to send me pictures of the shits in, so I, like publish them on the GGM website in the, in the late nineties. <laughs> so like. And then that sort of progressed to the pictures of toilets when I was like traveling all around the world. Yeah. And, like, especially you know when you go to Italy and you've got that little hole in the floor, you've got to try and shit in that bus there. Oh, get down, man. So, like, taking pictures of toilets then. So, like, oh, just take pictures of me on the toilet and things like that, you know, and just 
Like oh, put them on the, the internet. Where and... you take a shit in a bucket somewhere backstage or something. I've seen something oh, yes. like that. That wasn't my fault. <laughs> so as, as the party in um I can't remember I can't remember what year it was now, maybe in the early two thousands, this big party in England called North. Down the southwest, like had like producer and Scorpio. Yeah. Uh, Love Groove as like the resident DJs. And I played there one time as I think it was on about three or four three or four levels of this club, this venue. And I was dying for a shit. And I couldn't find the toilet. I was like, I was coming through all these doors and like going downstairs and upstairs. Fuck. So I found a cleaner's bucket. <laughs> I thought, oh fuck it, I want to shit in this bucket. So I shot in the bucket, but somebody came through the doors and took a picture of me. So I'm sitting on this bucket like that, having a shit. No, I felt really bad for the cleaners the next day. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, I didn't have any toilet rolls, so I had to use mutant pants. I had to use mutant pants so I wake my arse and put them in the cleaners' bucket. So <laughs> then poor cleaners about ten o'clock in the morning, the poor cleaners got a nasty surprise. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. <laughs> poor dudes. Like <laughs> really poor dudes. It made people laugh, so yeah. that's the main thing. That's the main thing. That's right. What's what's with your with your love and the with the um, airport in Paris? Like I've seen, oh, <laughs> fucking horrible place, man. That yeah. is the worst airport in the world. Every time I've been through that airport, like something's happened. Yeah, they've got shit bars. Was it was it the party I was with you when? Um, yeah, yeah. I was stuck at I fucking hell. So where were we? Were in Germany or was it? No, Switzerland. Switzerland, Switzerland yeah. Oh, yeah, so it was, yeah. yeah. So did you get a direct flight that time? Yeah, Switzerland. I had a direct flight, yeah. Yeah, so I had to go from Zurich to um, Paris Charles de Gaulle. Yeah. And at the time, I said to the promoters, don't buy me a fucking flight through Paris. <laughs> but but they left it so late and the, it was about a week before the party. The only flights yeah. left for one through Paris. Here we go. So but. a... For me, I've got to go from Newcastle to Paris, then Paris to Zurich. And on the way over, we went to Newcastle to Paris. And when you get off the flight, you get on the minibus, right? Yeah. It takes you round and round and round and round. And it drops you off where you got off the flight, just a different door. <laughs> like, what the fuck? What's the point of this? Yeah. I don't understand it. And it takes about 15 minutes to go around. Yeah. And then you, you've got to go through the passport control again, the luggage thing and all that. Like, what the fuck? And then you get to the you get to the departure gate, there's no bars. So you've got to sit there with no drink. You've got to get a bottle of water from the drinks machine. And then anyway, coming back, I was like, oh, fucking hell, this is going to be a nightmare. Yeah. I think the flight the flight from um, Zurich to Paris was late. Yeah. So, but when I arrived when I arrived in Paris, I arrived at the gate where the flight was to Newcastle I was going to fly from. That was one, one minute late. I couldn't believe it. So obviously I went to the checking desk, I've missed me flight, missed me flight. They give you a voucher for like 15 euros worth of food and shitty sandwiches. So hey, I stuck you, in you Paris. Get shit for 15 euros there. <laughs> like shit is so overpriced over there. Oh man. So like I stuck in fucking Paris Charles de Gaulle for like seven hours or something. Like, oh, fuck yeah. God, this is the worst thing really. I had no sleep from the party because I think that uh, it was an early flight, so I had no sleep. Like fuck it, man. Yeah. Well, so I'll never ever ever go to Paris Charles de Gaulle. I mean, yeah, like, I remember the day, like, uh, first of all, when you've been coming to Switzerland, I already, like, been following, like, on Facebook, you went off of that, like, <laughs> a fucking cunt place, whatever. <laughs> like, like, the fuck is going on there? And I also remember back, I was already home, I slept and everything, I had, like, another booking next day, uh, like, the same day when I came back. 
and uh, you know woke up and then we rode and you just arrived home. I was. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that wasn't a good day. <laughs> no, 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 it was it was horrible. But uh, I keep people, I keep people, ooh, I keep people entertained with the story. So yeah, yeah, uh, that was very entertaining. Like <laughs> you, you went really off of that like a fucking cunt place. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I found one bar as well. I think it was like 15 euro for a pint. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> and um, they wouldn't let me in the lounge either because I had like tracksuit trousers on and hooded top. Yeah. Oh, you need, to wear, you need to wear jeans or something to come in. I was like, oh, fucking bastards, fucking shit there, poor bastards, wankers. <laughs> Horrible. Yeah, yeah, I'm also not, not too big, too big of a fan of that airport. Also, like you know where the gates are, it's always like that's so narrow. Everything, like you know, there's no space, nothing. So at least like when I was flying there, I mean it's a big airport, but every time I was at a gate, it's like too many people, not enough space. I hate it. Yeah, it's a. I think the whole airport's just terrible layout. Yeah, you speak to a lot of air, a lot of artists and say the same thing. It's the worst airport to be stuck in. It's just terrible. Yeah. Just, yeah. It's just like, like one big long sort yeah. of aircraft carrier, like, mm, straw, straw. Yeah. Ooh, I don't want to think about that place, Alex. All right. So what are you working on now that you can talk about? What's what's going on now with music and all that? Uh, well, music-wise, um, I sort of stopped making tracks of Smurf. Like all the funny stuff, I thought, well, there's no point making the funny stuff anymore because nobody's interested. They just want up tempo. So yeah. I sort of put that on the back burner. And then um, I started a new project called Rave Bombers, Rave Bomber, which is basically I'm just taking an old school track from the 90s and making it about 220 BBM, yeah. either putting a French core kick on it or, or a Gabba kick. Yeah. And at the moment, I've done the first one I've done was Made a Dream, which is an old bonsai track. Yeah, I remember that one. I even played that. There's like such yeah. a nice French core kick in there. Yeah, I, I tried yeah. to get permission to actually release that from, from Bonsai, but I didn't get a reply. So yeah. I just put it out as a free track, you know. And I, yeah. like, out, out, like out of courtesy, I sampled one of my favorite tracks in the world. Um, what do you think about this remix? Can I release it? What do you think? No reply. So we said there's a bootleg, and that's how the rape bomber thing came around. Like, uh, I just released bootlegs of like old school stuff. Huh. And then I done Dominate as well. I've already done an official remix of Dominate a few years ago, but it's, it sounds pretty dated. Like the kick yeah. sounds pretty bad compared to new stuff. And I got in touch with Guido from Human Resources and said, Can I do a remix of it? Yeah. He goes, Yeah, it's fine, but he doesn't own the rights with it anymore. I so see. I just put it out as bootleg. So I've done the bootleg. Um, I've got two or three more sort of quarter finished tracks finished as Rave Bummer, um, which I Can wouldn't really mention. What, what uh, tracks they will be? Um, go on then I'll tell you I wasn't going to say but um, Die Witness Observing the Earth Rob Acid Happy Answer so then I sort of half done and there's also this WWE Wrestler's theme tune I've done as well which is about 99% finished I think I just need to kick on that one and so it's just them and um, I, I really like techno as well at the moment. For the last five years or something, I've been doing techno sets as Victor Van Schroom. Mm -hmm. Really hard as fuck techno for like 130 BPM. So <laughs> it really takes me back to the 90s, you know, like early sort of acid music. So yes, uh, I'm going to try and devil into some making techno music as well. But just getting the time to do things. Like I've got a day job and 
Yeah. Finish work at six o'clock and like watching me soap operas on TV and sometimes you can't be bothered, you know, your, your mind's fucked by working with difficult colleagues and... Yeah, I totally understand. I mean, like yeah. after a full day of work, there's also like, nah. I used to, when I had a uh, day job, I used to wake up early and make music before I got to work because I knew when I come right. back, I'm not going to do shit, you know. So yeah, I yeah. always try to get like late shifts <laughs> and shit just um, so I no, can I... like start uh, working on music before I start go to work because I know That's that, great. especially like, you know, I, I guess it's it's a different thing if you work like physical, you know, you work somewhere construction, maybe you're exhausted like physically, but you're still mentally there. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah. I like right after right after I was done with um, university, I worked like for a couple of months in a call center. That was like pure brain fuck. Like I oh, hated yeah, I my life. You. I was I was yeah. miserable as fuck. Like I was um calling for like a very um famous like how's it called like those those uh, organizations which kind of save the world and i was calling their donors and was asking if they want to donate more money <laughs> really fuck so, sake. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and people like been really like you know fuck you never call me again and shit like they got really <laughs> offensive and i'm also not that type of person i was like motherfucker i see your address here you think you're on a fucking island i come tonight and i like rip your head off you know so then i got fired <laughs> <laughs> You can send them some. You send them some shit in an envelope down there in the post. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I remember that, and I, I had to like wake up early and make music in the morning because I knew when I come back, I'm mentally exhausted. I I'm not gonna make yeah. any music. Yeah, it is draining sometimes, like dealing with like dumb people all that and all that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's unfortunately the problem dealing with people sometimes it's uh already hard to begin with like yeah, and the man, dumb yeah. people when they come to the equation you're fucked <laughs> <laughs> True. um what are the plans for the future what can we expect from dj smurf um just like i said the rave on things and um more sort of online streaming dj sets and just like like playing like music, I wanna I wanna play, you know, and yeah. um, and just when I produce music, I'll do it, you know. It's, it's no because I'm not playing new music anymore. There's no sort of urgency urgency to like make like make tracks anymore, so I can just like relax yeah. and yeah. like I, I started off with DJ and I prefer DJing and I'd rather I'd rather go and do a live stream or do it like a five hour mega mix or something on my own and play different styles of music rather than produce. To be honest, yeah. So. I don't know. The rave bomb is going to happen. Hopefully, I'll start making some techno music and the live streams, really. Nice. Just staying healthy and staying safe. Nice, <laughs> nice. Um, if, like, you know, you would talk now to, uh, like, a young beginning producer, some kid, 15 years old, just about <laughs> to get started, um, is there any production advice you would give to him? Um, well, one thing I tell to most people like most when most people send me tracks for like what's your opinion on this um any chance that they're setting released on your label what i always say is make a dj friendly and put a similar track in the first channel of your door of maybe mm -hmm. able to if one of your favorite producers and you can see where it's got maybe like a 32 beat intro yes. 16 or 32 beat sort of breakdown then a build up blah 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 and as it goes yeah. on make your track like that yeah because if you're making a track, you're making a track for a DJ to play, really. 
and a DJ is more likely to play a track if it's more DJ friendly and they got yeah, mixed yeah, it. If it's easy to mix play it out, it. Yeah. And it obviously you get more popular type thing. And a lot of people don't grasp that. So like I say, like put like put a track on and send a track from favorite artist, work out yeah. how it's done. Like don't start your track with a big kick because that's hard to mix in as well. Exactly. I tell people as well, add, add more percussion. A lot of people send me stuff with just a kick and no percussion. Yeah. Like percussion can really like drive a track and sort of brighten it up, things like that. So I tell people to do that all the time as well. And yeah. I don't know. And don't get sort of bogged down in making your own kicks. Use sample packs. Mm-hmm. Use kick drum some sample packs because they're ready made. And then you can put kick drum in, use that use that kick tweak. Plug in I mentioned earlier yeah. and manipulate the trick, the kicks, sort of dynamic EQ, things like that, and you can sort of right. change them as well. Yeah. And watch tutorials, watch watch the the general Gible channel. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and also like watch like ADM tutorials. Yeah. I've been watching like some ADM tutorials in the last three or four months because I had nothing else to do. And I've been loads of tips. Yeah, like, it can really take away a lot. You know, that's also what I say always. Like, if even if it's like a dude like talking about mixing metal drums and shit, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can exactly. like sometimes you can take away more from like people talking about a completely different genre than like you know watching people who doing the exact same genre because sometimes yeah, yeah, that yeah. like really triggers ideas and gives you like more insights than you would probably find typically. So. Those are really, really good tips, especially um, when it comes down to the arrangement thing. I always feel like um, the track has to be an absolute bomb if, um, you know, it's unmixable, but DJ is going to still play it. If it's like a very amazing track, an absolute bomb, yeah, people are going to figure out how to play it, you know? <laughs> that's, true. that's true as well, yeah. But yeah. If, it's, if it's like kind of replaceable, <laughs> it's cool, but not that cool, um, then yeah people not gonna bother trying to figure out something to kind of bring it in in the set they're just gonna play another track so yeah, those are, like people who watch it those are very valuable tips <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. um would you have also some advice like some business advice to this young kid some mistakes uh, you maybe made or something you learned throughout the past 25 years when it comes to the business i think one of the biggest mistakes i made was a um, uh, get me ass out and my penis out backstage in Mega Rave. <laughs> so don't get your dick out, people backstage, and try to be funny. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was backstage in Mega Rave, I think, or Hellways, and I got me dick out and like done some study and people were laughing, like all my colleagues were laughing, but it came out on the, on the DVD. And people was like, oh, who's this motherfucking asshole? And yeah. I lost quite a lot of bookings because of that, so okay. don't get your dick out or your ass. Um, yeah. but, but apart from that, I think um, just be nice online, you know, don't be an arsehole, like don't don't criticize everything just because it comes back to the thing you said earlier, like if you, if it's not your your sort of thing, you know, oh, it's shit, it's a shit, like don't don't criticize them because it's not what you like. Yeah. Um, I've seen, um, I seen some big EDM DJs as well mention something on some channel the other week as well. It's like people... People wanting advice, they go to the to the sort of very top DJ, the sort of chain or the, or the record label, and they won't get back to you because them don't look at social media. They've got people looking at the social media. You see, go down the chain of the record label, 
and find find somebody who's on the label, but but not like a big sort of superstar guy, because they're more they're more likely to give you advice. Yes. So it's I say like don't be don't be afraid to ask for advice, yeah. and don't if you get if you get bad advice back, like don't say oh you fucking asshole you don't need to be track it's fucking great fuck that take yeah. it on board and learn. I mean I'm learning every day I expect you all as well. But yeah. learn something new every day when you're producing you though. What's this? What's this yeah. thing? Yeah. It's never stopping, but it's also a very good one. Um, I experience that also quite a lot. You know, people are like, oh, "Can you listen to my track? Give me feedback." And then you know, you're giving feedback, being quite honest, and they get like super defensive. You know, there's like, <laughs> "Oh, the fuck do you know?" And like, "Well, it's like, dude, you asked me. I mean, like, you know, if you just wanted me to say it's awesome." tell me then you know i'm not gonna even listen and tell you it's awesome yeah. <laughs> i had the impression you wanted to have some feedback you get feedback it's not the <laughs> feedback you want to hear and you get like super angry <laughs> so that that um did that happen to you too at some point in your life um, nothing as bad as that but you do get like sort of things where oh okay then and they don't get back to you yeah. like like i say all the time like get get back to me or keep the tunes going or keep keep doing it and feel free to send me more demos, you know, and some people yeah. do like advise them. And um, I've seen something from um, some big EDM DJ as well the other day on Facebook saying, I will I will listen to your tracks and criticize them and give the feedback for 25 viewers. It's like, what the fuck, really? <laughs> <laughs> so you you send a track to like a famous, like one of your famous producers and give them 25 viewers and they're going to listen to your track and give you feedback. Yeah. Fuck that, man. No, I mean for for a while I've done that too. For a while I was also charging people for taking. Really? Yeah, dude, I'm getting <laughs> like I'm getting like hundred plus tracks sent in, and everybody requires like a little bit of time. But then also think about it: you gotta download that track, you gotta listen to it, you gotta write yeah. out an email. It's like every time to give like feedback to somebody. It's like at least like an hour of work. And if I get hundred of them a day, you know, and you know, I I, I wanna be nice and like you know. I don't want to give feedback to somebody and not give to anybody else. So for a time I was like, and then it was also due to this situation where you really take your time, you listen to the track, you write a long ass email being nice. And that guy is like, yeah, the fuck do you know? You know, you, 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 you never had a big record. Like you never played the FCO main stage. So it's like, wow, you asking me for feedback. I'm taking like more than an hour of my time being really nice giving you very, very constructive feedback and then you know you throw shit at me so that was the point for me where i said like okay then i'm you know people really want to have my feedback i am gonna charge them then i definitely know they really want the feedback they just don't it's not just like a sneaky way to promote their their music you know so oh, yeah. um well, fair enough, yeah if i expect like a big sort of like a big critique feedback back well then just like oh it's good but could be better yeah I don't know if you're going to charge and like to like tell them what to do and just help them prove things more in a more yeah. constructive way. That's yeah. I mean, I also cool. you know I also got like a different type of format. You know, it's like you know I got like the tutorials and all this educational shit. So, um, you know, that's that's a different thing than being a big EDM DJ and just like okay, I'm going to listen to your track, give me 25 euro. You know, so I kind of got a different format. And nowadays I just um, listen to tracks in my live streams and give feedback there. And I don't listen to any other tracks for feedback anymore. All so right. I found, found that compromise because I also kind of didn't really felt comfortable charging for that. 
But on the other hand, it's all time, you know, it's like really taking out one hour of your day. It's also, you know, you can't do it like every day, like three, four times. So that was more the compromise back then. Uh, so different type of things. Yeah, um, that's a good idea. Doing, like doing a live stream. So if you like critique a track on live stream, like other people can listen to and get get tips back from that. That's good. That's a good idea. That's 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 that was the main reason exactly because um you know I yeah you are also part of 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 my group and on Facebook right and yeah, yeah. um. <laughs> That was also one of the reasons why I started it. And people like I'm getting like really annoyed sometimes because people still writing me up every day uh, on, on on private and asking me shit. And I'm always replying, dude, ask in the group. Others can um, answer too. I will also answer. But at least others can read also the problem and key, can read different solutions for that problem. So, you know, because more often than not, the questions repeat. So I get the same questions and I answer them all in private. So that's way, like, make it public so everybody who's interested, he will see there is such a problem and there are so and so many solutions. So everybody got something for that. That was also the idea for giving the feedback in the live streams so other people can also listen and they can also hear what I'm saying and everything. So overall... That's good, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah overall, it um, definitely adds more value than you know just doing it in private because at the end i gotta take in the time with live stream it's even easier because i don't have to write a long email i can like on the spot i can stop say okay i feel like you know the vocal is not loud enough and shit yeah so yeah a lot of people a lot of people on the forum as well have probably been through the same problem for the same issue and then can reply with a more so oh this is how i don't know this is how i don't know it's yeah take advice on that that's good yeah yeah but people are dumb, as we say. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anything like um, throughout the past 25 plus years that you know now that you wish you knew earlier? Like business, production, anything where something like you say, yeah, would be definitely my life would turn out completely different if <laughs> that I knew that earlier. <laughs> I don't think there is, to be honest. You know, it's just, just the whole sort of process is just just a big learning curve, you know? Yeah. Like from, from like recording, like I said, I was using hip-hop onto a cassette in the, in the early, late, late 80s, sorry, and then buying records and just progressing through and, and getting the Optimized Sound Studio and like, like everything was like sort of self-taught back then. You didn't have any, didn't have YouTube or anything like that. So you yeah. had to learn everything yourself, really. And I don't think it's anything really. It's no regrets, really, apart from getting me dick out of them. <laughs> <Otherwise, laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing. When, when was that? Um, I think it was 2006, I think. Uh. This video online with um, my dad do a battle with DJ Plague. Yeah. Everyone stage like hitting each other with the trumpets and everything, yeah, yeah, yeah. And got like fake blood and things like that. And I think it was backstage at that. Yeah, and it's actually on the DVD. But you don't. You... Imagine, imagine somebody would do it today, like where everybody is so offended and everything. Like, oh yeah. You know, if that already had like such a backlash on you, like um, fourteen years ago, imagine you would have done it today. It would be horrible. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I regret that. That's the only thing I regret. Yeah. I think it, it's on the DVD, on the DVD, but it's like a secret, like a secret sort of thing on the DVD, and you've got to press loads of buttons to like see the. It's called the DJ Smurf Strip Show. 
it's like a, a there's like a couple of people that are offended on that and I've felt really bad and I've mm. met them since then and apologized, you know, and we're yeah. best of friends now, to be honest, like since I apologize and I shouldn't have done that blah blah blah. But you live and learn, but you learn from your mistakes, don't you? And yeah. you don't seem to be a better person all around, really. It Rock is and roll. What it is. <laughs> anything else you want to say or to pluck at this point um I'll just check my live just check my social media really for the live streams and things like that and feel free to chat on the live streams and I'll answer any questions uh, if you want to listen if you want me to listen to any of your tracks feel free to send me them no problem um, and also check out the Good Morning Gabba Facebook page uh, one of my friends set up this thing where in the morning you wake up and you put like a Gabba tune on and just dance stupid. Uh, I, think, I think they've got over like 10,000 members now within two months. Nice. So people just make a video of them dancing around like Gabba music in the morning yeah. post it on and people wake up like, oh, this is so funny. Nice. Yeah, like, in the morning you've got somebody dancing around like Gabba and like a big like, I don't know, dinosaur heads on and all that. So check that out. Good morning, Gabba on Facebook. Be friends, Facebook page and and that just stay safe be nice to each other <laughs> well that was um, really awesome once again thank you for taking the time um, really well, enjoyed just, it we gotta do it again at some point I'm just happy you could understand me I could. I mean, we talked already. I hope. I hope people <laughs> will understand you. The first time we talked, I couldn't understand much. <laughs> now I yeah. got used to it. <laughs> yeah, good. Put some subtitles on, maybe. <laughs> right. <laughs> awesome. Well, guys, that was it. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. He is a very interesting character and a very nice and outstanding human being. So, also again, for you, DJ Smurf, thank you for taking your time and being here. It was a blast. If you're in need for samples or presets and stuff like that, check out generalgeibel.com. Also, make sure you subscribe, you like, you comment, make all that kind of shit. And most of all, share it share it with your producer friends also check out our facebook community the hard dance producer network same name private facebook group it's a really nice community of all kinds of hard dance producers we got beginners we got pros so definitely make sure you check it out the hard dance producer network this is it i'm signing off next week we're coming back with another interesting guest thank you so much for listening watching thank you very much for your support and we catch up next week bye bye